You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. Okay, here we go. That was a nice, like, everyone settled down really nicely, almost kind of awkwardly. That's why I wanted to milk it. Um, hey, I want to hit something really practical this morning, but also just have this, like, deep sense of the Lord's presence. And I'm so grateful for our worship team and, and what they carry and um, leading us into that place and stewarding that place so well. So, um, But I want to pray for us, and then we'll dive in. Father, we just um, acknowledge you in this place. God, your presence. God, let us just be aware of it here this morning. And God, even as we navigate just practical topics that sometimes seem disconnected from the depth of who you are, God, help us make that connection. That even in the most mundane day-to-day places, the deep of who you are is still there. God, give us that sense that awareness Um, especially as we go into a new year father just give us a deep sense and a deep awareness of your goodness and your presence in the most common of places and we trust you and we love you amen amen awesome you guys good happy new year almost um i did not know this was i i don't know if this is a charlotte thing but it's definitely not a thing i was aware of but a lot of churches shut down for new years I did not know that was a trend, so how dare they? Um, also, if you didn't notice, we do donuts while uh, the other churches are shut down. Um, so get your calories in for the new year, because uh, I know that gym membership spiked tomorrow. And so um, that is a real thing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about vision this morning and how important it is to have vision. And I don't know how you hear that term, but when you hear that, I don't want you to think if you're not a visionary, this doesn't apply to you because everybody is a visionary on some level. I mean, you guys know that you're always creating something. The question is, are you creating something on purpose? Um, and I want to ask you this question out of the gate and then tell you a really quick story. Um, and I don't want you to hear this as like an angry parent. I want you to hear this as, as it's written. But I'll ask you this question. Where do you think that you are going? Okay. Where do you think that you are going? As it pertains to life, your purpose. And I know these are kind of overused broad terms. And hopefully we can uh, clarify some of this in a moment. But where do you think you're going as it pertains to your vision for life, your purpose for life? Where do you think you're going? Because here's what's true. Where we think we're going Sometimes between what, where we think we're going and where we're actually, actually going, there's a big disconnect unless we're going there on purpose. Okay? Um, i tell you a funny story. This friend of mine one time, we were at a friend's house and just kind of hanging out. And it was me and a few guys. And all of a sudden we hear this loud like crash and shatter like a, like a bomb went off, like glass breaking. Uh, and we thought someone was breaking into the house downstairs. So naturally, as a bunch of little skinny dudes do, we swell our chest up and we get downstairs to roll up on them with some sticks and you know, whatever else we could find, thinking that we're going to catch somebody uh, intruding in the house. And long story short, we go around the corner and it's one of the elders of our church uh, standing there. It looks like he just got mauled by a tiger. And he's kind of laughing, but also kind of embarrassed. And what had happened was, this guy thought that he was going to come over and scare us, okay? 
and it's dark outside, and he thought he was going the right direction. And what he did not know is there was a cellar door in front of him. And so as he's coming to go to the house to scare us, he accidentally steps in that void, goes down a flight of stairs, and I do not exaggerate when I say, and I mean it's a stocky guy, he blew a wooden and glass door into like 90 pieces. I mean, just blew the whole thing apart. Didn't even look like a door anymore. Um, so now we call him the Kool-Aid Man. Like That's his new title. Um, because it was just like that. He thought he was going somewhere, but in reality he was uh, unfortunately going a different direction than he thought he was going. And so the plan backfired. But when it comes to having vision for our lives, sometimes we think we're going somewhere. And sometimes maybe we just have no idea where we're going. We're just kind of here to be. But there's a, a common quote, I don't know who says this, but it says that we all end up somewhere, but few of us end up there on purpose. Vision is so important to have for our life and how we frame our lives and the intentionality of our lives because it does determine where we're going, how we're going, and who's going with us. Um, I want to say a few things just to make this qualify, but God is a God of vision. Amen. We know this through creation, that he's a God of vision. I mean, everything that we see, we're standing on uh, solid matter this morning. We're existing, we're breathing, air is filling our lungs because he is a God of vision. He's a God of planning. He's a God of execution. He's a God who speaks what his vision is into nothing and nothing because something. And here we are, the former nothing, now something, because God had a vision because that's what God is like. And if we are the offspring of our creator, that means it's in our very DNA to also be creative. It's also in our DNA to be visionaries. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be an artist. It doesn't mean when you hear vision, I don't know, again, what you think this morning. That does not mean that you're all going to have the same expression of vision. But I promise you, you're creating something, whether you're creating it on purpose or not. Where things shift is when we start to learn to live life on purpose, create things on purpose through vision that we learn to clarify as we navigate. I want to read this passage, one of my favorite passages in the Psalms, Psalms 33. It says this, it says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars, he puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord, let all the people of the world revere him for he spoke and it came to be he commanded and it stood firm the lord foils the plans of the nations he thwarts the purposes of the people but the plans of the lord this is the part i want us to uh pay attention to the plans of the lord stand firm forever the purposes of his heart through all generations when i think about the fact that the lord has plans I used to trip over this because I'm someone who loves um, not being confined, okay? I don't like a lot of boundaries. And sometimes that sneaks into our theology. And sometimes it sneaks into the way that we do life. Now, sometimes that can be okay, but when I think about the fact that Creator God had a plan, He had a vision, and He had this thing called structure. Now, here's what's mysterious. Within the confines of structure, you can still have complete chaos. You can still have uh, spontaneity. You can have all these things erupting, and somehow it's still ordered by the Lord. But I used to live under this lie, and this was kind of my vision, uh, that not having a vision was my vision. 
And I used to live under this illusion and still tempted to go there often. But I used to live under this illusion that not doing things on purpose was somehow the recipe to be led by the Spirit. And almost became timid because I didn't want to get too far ahead of God. I didn't want, first off, you can't get ahead of God. He's at the end before you even started. So it's not like you can get ahead of Him. You can get out of His time. But I used to think and use that as an excuse not to plan, not to prepare, not to think and dream ahead. Because I thought it would disrupt this beautiful rhythm I had with the Father of spontaneity. God, just do whatever you want to do today. Now, we don't have to lose that ever, so if that is jarring you, be encouraged. Because um, I still tend to go there all the time. But when you start to look at how God formed and fashioned the very world that we live in, it's so ordered and structured and held together, again, full of complete chaos, but somehow not flying apart. Because that's what he's like. And if that's what he's like, then buried deep within us is that same nature and that same wiring to be dreamers in the world that we inhabit and to carry vision in the places that we go. And let me say it like this, to live this life on purpose. Okay? Amen. Everybody say purpose. Purpose. We need purpose. Okay? Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say this this morning because there's no way we're going to get through everything I've got in my notes. So we'll unpack some of these thoughts. I know I'm going to leave a lot of big ideas and thoughts on the table without diving deep. But I promise in the coming weeks we'll go and catch some of these up. Um, but we want to live life on purpose. Here's one of the things that vision does. Vision helps us stay on course. And it helps us set healthy boundaries. Okay. Um, when I think of Jesus, Jesus was someone who had clear vision, he had clear purpose, and he knew what that purpose was. He knew that he came to do the will of the Father. He knew that he came to seek and save that which was lost. He made all these statements that would clarify Jesus knew why he had come into the world to be the light, to be salvation, to be all of these things. He knew why he came. And there's these moments where I'm sure Jesus, you see it in the garden when he's praying, hey, if it's possible, let this cut past. There's these moments where his very purpose and his vision was uh, tempted, so to speak. It had this potential distraction. But it was that very purpose that held Jesus firm. There's one of these passages you see, I want to read this one, Matthew 4, 8. It's when Jesus is taken into the wilderness, he's hungry, he's tempted by um, the devil, and again, Jesus knew what he was doing before this. But verse 8 of Matthew 4 says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. So, uh, let me read this one first. He, verse 9, he says, And all this I will give you if you bow down and worship me. Now, check this out. Jesus has the vision of the Father, the purpose of the Father, the mission of the Father. He's come to do the Father's will, right? Here's the devil who's offering another vision. He takes him up, he kind of makes it a shiny object, and he says, hey, if you worship me, shift your focus, shift your mission, mission, abandon that thing, come to me, I'll give you all of this. He's casting new vision. This could be a distraction, this could be a temptation, this could even maybe be tempting to our flesh sometimes, but when you have a true purpose and a vision, it helps you stay on course even when your dopamine wants to kick in and chase something shiny. And here's what Jesus says. He says, away from me, Satan, for it's written, worship the Lord 
and serve him only. Then the devil left and the angels came. Jesus knew where he was going and why he was going. The devil offered a different vision. Can I say this? When it comes to us having vision, so much like Jesus, part of our vision has to have the component of his vision. Jesus didn't come to do his own thing. He came to do the Father's thing, right? And if we're formed in fashion, again, after creator God, then there's this thing in us that is partnered with the very vision of God. We sang it this morning, and this is so much the DNA of what having vision is for our life. Uh, I forgot what the words were, but we were singing, give me vision that's based on what you see. Help me see what you see. That is our purpose, right? And Jesus held this. He was in sync with this so that when distraction and temptation came, he knew according to his purpose what not to let into his life. And he started to set boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. Um, Here's the thing about boundaries. And I'm going to read a greatest hits vision verse here in a second. When we have clear vision for where we're going, it's easier to see what things conflict with that vision. It's easier to see what is not fitting in or doesn't belong with where I'm going. So if you don't know where you're going, then pretty much anything can come along and go with you. And you might try on anything and everything uh, and never really end up so we can up somewhere. You just might not get there on purpose, right? Uh, but when we have clear vision, it's easier to see which things fit and which things don't belong. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. everybody knows this. Uh, I'm going to quote it in one translation and read it in this one. But it says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. Many of you would know this verse um, that says, where there's no vision, the people what? Perish, right? Where there's no vision, this Hebrew word means revelation. It means uh, dream. It means oracle. Like where there's no revelation or vision, the people cast off restraint. What does that mean? We stop restraining ourselves when we have nothing to tether to. And so when I don't have a mission or a purpose that's clear, anything can hijack or disrupt my journey. I can easily be distracted. I can easily swerve and be pulled off course. Amen. This was Jesus modeling this so well. And here's the thing about boundaries. The misconception of boundaries is that they restrict us. But I actually believe that boundaries are the most empowering, life-giving things that lead us to wholeness. Uh, let me say it like this. Oh, well, let me ask you this first. Does God set boundaries? Yeah, he does. Ask the oceans, right? There's a boundary there. Now, if you look at an ocean, an ocean is chaotic within its boundaries. It's free to go with the ebb and flow. It rises, it falls, it crashes, the wind blows, and it goes crazy. Sometimes it's calm. It's chaotic, it's violent, it's super dangerous, but within its boundaries, it's beautiful. And the only reason that we don't walk around every day, and we're kind of far away from the coast, so uh, maybe you'd preach this different in in a coastal church, Uh, but here in Charlotte, uh, we walk around every day and see the ocean as beautiful instead of a threat because of those boundaries, right? So I'm not scared of the ocean, When it's in its boundaries. Now, if a tsunami hits and the boundaries move, I'm running, right? Because that's a little bit more scary and more of a problem. But when it's in its boundaries, things are beautiful. I don't know if there's any kids in the room. I'm going to say this word, S-E-X. Here's the thing. Here's why boundaries are important. 
Sex can be a destructive vice, but it's a beautiful gift within the boundaries of marriage. Okay? Um, Chocolate cake is a beautiful pleasure, but can destroy you without boundaries and moderation. Donuts. Today was a test, by the way. You failed. You you all failed. Um, Wine. Wine can be enjoyed when it's a glass, but can destroy you when it's five bottles. Like in the same sitting, is what I mean, not five bottles over six months. (laughs) But you get my point? How many things in our life are destructive that could be beautiful with boundaries? And when I have clear vision about where I'm going, it helps me know what boundaries to set in my life, what things don't belong or what things belong in a certain moderation. Here's the thing. If I don't, uh, I wrote some thoughts here. Let me read this so I don't mess these up. If I don't have vision for my spiritual life, then what will happen is I'll be a child of God, but I'll never mature into the benefits that come with being an heir. Does that make sense? If I don't have vision for this thing to develop, and I just kind of show up. Let me say it like this. And I was the, I can still be the king of this. There is a massive, massively different fruit that comes when God uses my preparation instead of having to use my laziness. Right? Now, sometimes I wouldn't prepare because I thought, man, I'm, I need the spirit to move. You just got to lead me, God. Like, just do what you want to do. I'm just going to get out of the way. And man, God will use it. And that was my excuse. Man, God's going to use I don't need vision. God's going to use it. He got vision for me. No, no, no. But he wants you to see what he sees. Right? He'll totally use it. But it's a different fruit that comes when God uses our preparation instead of having to use our laziness. Right? If I don't have vision for my spiritual walk with the Lord and developing that, then I'll be his child but never actually step into the benefits of being an heir. If I don't have a vision for my family, then I'm going to love my family for sure, but I might not really lead my family the way that I need to. If I don't have vision for being a father, then what's going to happen is I won't develop and heal things that I need to, and my kids will have to be my therapist for the next 20 years. Amen? If I don't have vision for my marriage, then uh, eventually we'll probably just end up being roommates. If I don't vision for my health, I'll settle for a donut. Son. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If I don't vision for my health, then I'll settle for just low energy, popping pills, when there's certain things that I could do that would bring energy to my life. Um, there's a, a, a thought that I love, and it's this. To become sick, you don't have to do anything. You just got to be. Right? And you're going to get sick at some point. You're going to catch a cold just by being. It's one of the beautiful things of being human but to be healthy means you have to do something on purpose it starts with vision and it's followed by intentionality because to be healthy is a decision to say hey this is what i want in the context of my health and i have to steward that but to have the opposite i don't have to do anything just kind of show up, be, do whatever, eat whatever, and anything's allowed in. There's no boundaries. I can eat whatever I want to. Hmm. If I don't have vision for my finances, 
then we'll live in the most wealthy country probably in the world. I don't know what the stats are and still be in debt, going paycheck to paycheck and stressed out. You know that one of the com most common reasons for divorce and household disruption is finances. In the United States of America, we can have anything we want. We all live like kings and queens compared to most of the world. But without vision, we'll always need more. And more will never be enough. Vision is crucial because it keeps me tethered to where I'm going. It helps me set boundaries and it helps me not be distracted from that said purpose. Amen? Still going to eat chocolate cake. I'm just going to do it one bite at a time. Let me skip down here. Sorry, my notes just disappeared on me. So here's the uh, age-old question that's going to really annoy you this morning. What is your vision? What is your purpose? Where are you going? Here's why I know this can be an annoying question. Because everyone wrestles with this so often. What is my purpose? What's the thing that's going to make me happy? What's my passion? Which are all great questions, by the way. But not one of us, I think, have ever uh, gone through life and not arrived at that question somewhere. Trying to figure it out. In different stages of life, I'm almost 41, and I'm thinking about these things in a different way than I did when I was 21. 21, it was chocolate cake all day, just wander around, show up, let God use it. And now I'm thinking, hey, I don't have as much energy, so where am I going to put my energy the next decade? Because I know that it's, you know, it's not infinite anymore, so I, I need to really start to kind of plan and have a little vision for where I'm going. But we all cross this bridge where we say, God, what, what is my purpose? And this is the one I think we need to unpack in the weeks to come. Um, but the first thing I want to stay and write this down, tattoo it on your arm. We can have a tattoo guy here next week. Our, our vision as believers will always be tied to his. In fact, if it's just about your vision, if it's just in the box of your career, what you're going to do, your expression of, of this life without it being deeply connected to the will and the purpose of the Father, then it's probably not the right vision for your life. Because we are the sons and daughters of a creator who created things to be a certain way, created humanity to live with a certain level of freedom and comfort and joy and peace and all of these things. And through the gospel, he calls us back. In fact, the very purpose of Jesus was to come and seek and save that which was lost. It wasn't just people. It was the context. It was the vision in which God created people to live. And he came to set humanity back on course. They swerved from the vision of God. They fell for the distraction. The same enemy that offered him the splendor of the world was the same one that offered eyes to be opened in the garden. The difference is Jesus knew his purpose where Adam and Eve maybe hadn't quite figured it out yet. And Jesus didn't swerve. And in the unswervingness of Jesus, all of humanity was set back on a course to know the vision and the will of God for our lives. And the number one layer of that is that we are the sons and daughters of Abba Father. And that is the primary purpose of my life. 
Now you might say, well, man, what do I do with that? I don't know, because I've never got this far. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm only putting that up to say, don't ever build a vision that that's not the chief cornerstone. Right? Because we sang it this morning. Hey, give me your vision. Help me see what you see. That is the journey we have to take. But what's your vision? What's your purpose? Jeremiah, I want to read a couple verses that everyone knows, but just to read them once more, this is God speaking to someone who had become a prophet. Jeremiah 1.5, everybody knows this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So before Jeremiah ever knew his purpose or his vision, God already knew it. Jeremiah's task, therefore, would have been hearing, just like we saying, hey, give me vision. Help me see what you see. This was the catching up. This was uh, Jeremiah coming into sync, finding out his purpose by seeing it through the lens and the eyes of the Father. Because God had a plan, right? Another one later, this is uh, through that prophet for a people. Jeremiah 29, 11, everybody knows, greatest hits. For I know the plans I have for you. Again, plans. God's always got plans. Declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you. To give you a hope in the future. Isaiah 46. 10 through 11. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times what is still to come. I say my purposes will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey. From afar off a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. See, God is like so fixed on his plan, his vision, and his purpose. And he has not wavered once, even when mankind fell. It didn't disrupt him, didn't change his plans. He wasn't surprised. You can't surprise an all-knowing God anyway. So God doesn't do anything on accident, and nothing is an accident for God. So if God does everything on purpose, and we're made in the likeness and the image of God, could it be that part of the restoration of the gospel story as we mature as sons and daughters is that we truly know how to take purpose by the reins and live every breath on purpose not just from some materialistic world way but in a kingdom way to reveal the father in the world that we live in this is the vision that God has for our life right and it's basic level it gets more unique but Jesus came to restore us to the original vision and the purpose of God Amen. But I love this part. Isaiah, again, he says, I summon a bird of prey from a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. In other words, here's what vision is like. When God wants to father a nation, he invites Abraham. When he wants to rebirth the world, he invites Noah. When he wants to deliver people, he invites uh, a Moses. When he wants to deliver humanity, he invites himself into his own humanity and partners with his own purpose and vision, and that's what Jesus was doing. But vision is not so much about just your thing. It's about answering this invitation to partner with God and see it the way that he sees it. 
Vision is about going along and doing what the Father wants to do in the world. When God gave vision to these guys, there were usually a few similar themes that were taking place. One is God was making himself known. They were getting a revelation of who he was. Second off, they were getting a revelation or a vision for what God was doing or what God was going to do in the earth. And the third layer was they had an invitation to come and be a part. And in fulfilling that invitation, their very purpose was made known. See, when I think of the Abrahams and the Moses and these people, these guys were not your polished leaders. They weren't the guys trained for the job. They didn't have all uh, the skill sets needed, but they had a vision and a purpose from the Lord that tethered them and anchored them. And even when hell and storms and everything came against them, they did not abandon ship. They somehow came right back and God changed the world to people who had maybe no idea what they were doing, but they did have a purpose. See, I, man, I think sometimes we try so hard to fix stuff that if I could just tether myself to the vision of the Lord and accept that invitation to step into that place to see what He sees, to figure out, God, how did you design this life for me to live? When I give myself to that rhythm, when I put my energy into that space, I think it changes more stuff than all of our effort ever will. Because we're starting to learn to do life by the design of creator, not our own design, right? God has this standing invitation for us to jump in and take part of what he wants to do. Amen. Okay, a couple more thoughts here. Then we're going to do communion. I think one of the things, here's some practical things I just want to share and get a stir and then we'll unpack this more in a couple weeks. Vision for your life should, I think, at least have these things and plenty more, but let's start with these three. First off, it should involve revealing the Father and giving glory to God, right? Vision for your life should, some on some level, and again, you see this in Jesus and his mission and his purpose, but vision for your life should involve blessing and freeing other people. If your vision is just about you, it's not a great vision. Right? Amen. Amen. Here's another one. Your vision should involve this call to mature as the sons and daughters of God. Here's the challenge with vision, especially in the world that we live in. The problem with finding your vision is the endless options we face now. Right? We live in the age where most vision comes from Instagram. It comes from someone else's storyline, someone else's narrative. And it's this world of comparison that we live in. And we don't actually uh, declutter and unpack ourselves enough before the Lord to figure out, hey, who am I uniquely before you? And so sometimes when we're trying to figure out our purpose, we're so mesmerized by other people's that we're trying to find the best one that explains me the most. And if I can find it, then that's what I'll identify with. Oh, that makes sense. I'll just, that's my purpose. But can I tell you to get off of that fence? Because here's what you do. Man, when there's so many options like that, probably more often than not, we never pick anything. Because there's too many options. If you want a great example, if you want to renovate your living room, let me make it even smaller. If you want to buy a new rug for your living room, the worst thing sometimes you can do is go on Pinterest. Because you're going to be on there for like nine years. 
and still not pick a rug because they all look good and you don't know which one and your mood changes and sometimes you want the black one, sometimes you want the purple one and it's just a moving target. And so we're always shopping but never choosing. And so when people are looking for their purpose in life and they're looking outward for something that best describes them rather than look inward for how the Father describes them where the Father gives definition, we never choose anything. Because vision doesn't start by looking out to figure out who you are. Vision starts by leaning into how the Father wired you, uniquely you, under the canopy of what He sees. And it's in that definition and that journey because finding your purpose and your vision is not just a quick statement. It is a journey that you wrestle with before the Lord and you allow at the best of your ability the Father to define every space of you. Because he wired you a certain way. Some of you wake up, you have natural values wired in you. And you have to Learn that. You have to listen to that. Some of you wake up and you have natural gifts. There's just certain things that you do. And part of finding your purpose and vision isn't picking one and trying to do it. It's starting to realize what you already do and start doing it on purpose. Amen? Like, I wake up and I could eat donuts every day. That's a gift. But sometimes we overcomplicate it when we just need to lean into Jesus and say, Father, describe me right now. What is my purpose? I know the macro, like be a son and daughter, like give you glory, like just stay in this space where it's me and Jesus. But remember, your vision's not just about you and Jesus. It's about also blessing others and freeing others and revealing him to others. So it's never just going to be like me and Jesus doing our thing and that's my vision. Because Jesus didn't do that, right? He could have stayed in heaven and did that, but he came to earth. For other people, right? And so my vision is always going to involve, okay, God, this part's great, but now what's the micro view? What's the little things that you've wired me for? What's the little expressions? What's the unique spaces where I can reveal the kingdom, where I can be the love of Jesus in a space that maybe no one else can? That's the journey we have to take when it comes to finding purpose. Amen? A couple more. Hmm. I have to skip through a lot of this because this is three sermons. But I didn't have vision for it, and so I just did all of them. <laughs> Let me tell you something the, uh, the Lord told me a while back, and then I'll ask you one more question and close. Um, one of the things I just, my, I'm just wired for is to build stuff. It doesn't matter what it is, I'm just going to build stuff. Nothing has to be broken either. I'll just break something and then build it. Like, that's just my curse. Um, and I'm a constant visionary thinker, which can be very overwhelming. And I remember um, a few years ago, I was in the middle of a big project building or a church building up in the foothills. And one of my favorite things is to see the you know framing, see the shape and the skeleton of something come to life. It's just... Uh, it's just a beautiful thing. Um, and I remember early one morning I was in there, I was just praying and kind of working with the Lord and having some, he wasn't helping, he was just talking to me, but he wasn't nailing anything. But I was looking at the framing and I thought, man, God, I'm just like so, my, I don't know, I'm just so excited right now. Um, 
And the Lord spoke to me really clear and he said, you know, vision inspires you. I'm like, yeah, it does. It inspires me. Get inspired with vision. Paint the picture. And then he said this, and it's forever changed how I think about certain things. But he said, but progress is what energizes you. Oh. You know what the Lord did right there? He described me to me. And it unlocked something in me that forever changed how I approach the things that I engage. So now I engage things on purpose with a mindset, whereas I didn't before. doesn't mean it was good or bad before. It just means now it has a totally different level of capacity and fruit. And I can do it for the long haul. Because it's one thing to be inspired, but if you don't have the energy to walk it out, man, that's a different thing. And I realized the vision of something would inspire me, but the progress, getting it out of just vision and into progress, that's where the momentum and the energy and the life came. And it's so true, and you hear their statements all the time, but the difference between um, a dream and a vision is execution. Right? Visionaries are just dreamers unless they're doing it. Right? And the difference between a visionary and a dreamer is the visionary is doing it and the dreamer is waiting for it to happen to them. Right? They don't just stay in the realm of vision. They decide, hey, here's where I'm going. And then they answer this question, which is even harder. But here's how I'm getting there. Different Sunday, but I'm going to preface for this that Sunday. Because it's one of my peeves. I hate planning. I hate it. But God has plans. And when I say that, that doesn't don't think and cringe and go, oh, I gotta be a planner. I hate planning. You don't have to be a planner, you just gotta get really creative on how to get plans done and figure out some back doors. But if you only have vision and purpose but never a how, then you're stuck. I can have vision for my health and never decide what I'm going to do. Uh, a couple years ago, I decided I'm going to do the keto diet because everybody was doing it. I felt left out and I thought it might be my purpose. And so I did the keto diet. And here's what I didn't do is I didn't plan for the keto diet. I just watched a quick YouTube video. I thought, oh, I'm going to do that right now. And I started right now. Um, and... I wasn't prepared. It got really hard and I had to think a lot about it. I had to go to the store and I walked in circles for literally two hours trying to find one thing. I think I walked out with a whole chicken and a piece of cheese. That's what I walked out with. Because I realized I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I could eat, what I couldn't eat. And it made it really hard and frustrating because I had a great vision and I wanted to go somewhere and I knew the benefits of it. We're on the other side of this new awesome diet. Um, But I didn't have a plan on how to get there. It'd be like driving in your car and saying, hey, we're going to go up here, but you don't really know where to turn or you don't know which direction to go. A map really helps, right? In fact, here's one of the things. When we have vision without a plan, we will be so overwhelmed that we eventually burn out. And most disappointment is a vision that got stuck. 
It wasn't always because God didn't come through. It wasn't because potential wasn't there. It's because we usually stayed in the realm of inspiration but never progress. Right? Example. If I get in the car and try to navigate from my house to church right now. Now, depend, that's a bad example. I could do it. Let's say I'm going to Trader Joe's. I don't know. I, would, I could get there, but I'd have to think a lot about it. I'm going to make some wrong turns. I'm going to get frustrated. And I'm going to spend the whole car ride second-guessing whether or not I made the right turn. Now, if I follow GPS, a well-prepared map that's got it all planned out, and I just say, hey, go. I know where I'm going. Now, here's the plan to get there. And she says, turn here, turn there. I'm going to get there. And guess what? Now my mind is free from having to overthink the journey. Because I don't just have a plan, I now have a ha- or a vision, I now have a plan. And it frees me from this place of being overwhelmed, constantly overthinking, am I making the right turn? Am I going the right way? This is where we get stuck when it comes to our purpose. We, we're afraid to commit to something because we are afraid to put our energy, and rightly so, in places that might be the wrong direction. That's why it's imperative we have a vision and a purpose, again, stemming from him, but uniquely us. But we start to clarify, and I'll read this passage, and then I'm done. Um, This is a back, and if you don't know much of a story, he's crying out to God, right? And God's letting him in on the secret. He's telling him that Babylon's going to rise, and uh, God's actually going to use this, which kind of blows his mind, because why would God use uh, the, you know, the, the enemy of God's people? But God's going to use them. But he also kind of encourages him, says, hey, but you know, Babylon's going to fall, and I want you to tell this t- to the people, right? And so this is the context for this passage, but it says this, Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3, Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. This is so practical, it's stupid. He, he, he said, he, here's what I'm telling you. Now, he had the word. He could have been him and Jesus and had the word and he would have been fine. He would have had peace knowing, hey, Babylon's going to get some momentum, but God's going to ultimately take care of it. I know God's going to do that. That would have been great for him. But God said, write it down and make it plain so that a herald, someone could go and announce this to the people so that it's not just your vision being you and God and you're good. You got peace. I actually want to bring peace to an entire body of people. So I want you to take this thing out of the realm of just vision and information. And I want you to write it down and make it plain because vision is not just about you. When you take it out of the realm of just vision and into plan, it empowers and allows other people to go with you. And he writes this down. Or here's what he says. Let me finish reading this. It says, For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it, it will certainly come and not delay. So in other words, don't you be encouraged. When you have a vision and you've made it plain, you know where to stand, even when everything looks crazy, when everything's shaking. You know exactly where to stand firm and just wait. Say, hey, here's the... Babylon's going to rise, guys, but it's going to look like this is just bad news, but God's promising and even tells you, you're going to get, are we there yet syndrome and say, God, okay, like, are we done yet? But even though it lingers, 
Don't worry. It's coming. He makes it so plain. And then he reveals that it's this plainness and this clarity that helps us stand and remain stable when everything else is shaking because I know what I'm here for. This is so much of who Jesus was. He comes with this purpose and this vision of the Father. And he's unshakable in who he is. He reveals the Father by fulfilling the vision for his life. And he takes literally everyone else with him by fulfilling the purpose on his life. Isn't that amazing? So when it comes to my purpose and my vision, and again, I know this is kind of the macro view this morning, it first comes from this defining place of the Father saying, hey, this is who you are. And maybe for you this this morning, you've actually warred against things that are your wiring that are actually the beauty of the Father within you. And maybe that tension is actually God just trying to define and give permission for you to reveal His glory and nature in a way that's uniquely you. Amen. Last thought, I know this is cliche and we're going to do communion, but it's a new year. If I can encourage you with one thing, do it on purpose. Don't try to figure it all out tomorrow. You don't have to know your purpose tomorrow. Maybe you already know your purpose. Maybe you just need a plan. But can I encourage you to just do it on purpose? It's different. Do your marriage on purpose. Do your life on purpose. Go to your job on purpose. To reveal the Father. To bless people. To free people. Amen. Awesome. You want to come up with? First of all, how many of you have your communion cup? Yeah. Well, um, go ahead and open it all up because sometimes it's hard to open it all up when it's time to time to partake. And I'm going to do this a little bit differently than uh, has been done. One of the things the Bible tells us is that the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. One of the things that communion is is a participation in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And it's a participation in a communion of saints. It's a place where we recognize we, let's say we, 
We are, ours next, the body of Christ, but members in particular, particular members. And one of the things Paul talks about is that if we receive communion and we are in um, a place of unforgiveness toward other people, it can actually affect our health. Paul actually says, therefore, my brethren, um, actually, he says, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many sleep. Paul is talking about in the context of communion, if we hold resentment and bitterness against people. We are holding resentment or bitterness against the body of Jesus. And it it can affect us. There, there are some interesting supernatural things that go on. And so one of the things Paul recommends in 1 Corinthians is that we judge ourselves. We, we're very good at judging other people. But being very good at judging other people brings judgment on ourselves. So Paul says, judge your judgments when you take communion. Anyone you're against, make up your mind right now. When is right now? Immediately. Commit yourself to complete forgiveness of anyone right now. Everybody with me? Yeah, because Paul actually says because we don't, because we harbor resentment against one another, it affects us. Some are weak, some are sickly, some even sleep or they die prematurely because of their bad their bad attitudes. And so I'm going to read from um 1 Corinthians 11:23 what Paul received directly from the Lord. Taking my own advice. I'll be back in a minute. Oh my goodness. I must really be mad at somebody. I don't know. Okay, there we go. For I receive from the Lord. That which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. So take bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Break it. And Jesus said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that word remembrance actually means do this intentionally remembering who I am and what I am, who I am, what I mean to you. That's what Jesus was saying. Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. How many of you have seen um, 
oh gosh, Mel Gibson, is that it? And the uh, what was the Passion of the Christ. How many of you have seen that horror? That's a horror story. But it's the price Jesus paid to reconcile us. The Bible says, and I don't understand this completely, but he says you're bought with a price. Glorify the Lord in your body because you're not your own. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So let's take the cup. Amen. Why don't we stand together? Let me ask this. How many of you have somebody to forgive? Just go on and come on. Deal with that. Deal with it. Let's say, Father, we forgive them. We commit ourselves to complete, clean slate of attitudes towards any and everyone. Lord, you forgave us. You forgave us freely. So we make a choice to forgive people in the same way, freely. Freely. Freely you receive, freely give. So, Father, on the eve of the end of this year and launching into the new one, I pray that you really would open our eyes to see who you are more and more. That you would open our eyes to see who each one of us are as we are corporately an expression of who you are. Lord, open our eyes, enable us to treasure one another, to be forgiving, to be kind, to express goodness to all men, especially, you said, the household of faith. So, Father, we commend and we commit uh, ourselves, our lives, our families, our congregation to your plan and your purpose in 2024. And Father, we ask your blessing upon it. Lord, Lord, we rejoice in you. Cause the desert to blossom like the rose. Cause the dead things to come back to life, Lord. Strengthen the weak knees, Lord, that nothing, no one be turned out of the way. Heal the sick, Lord. Those who are among us, some desperately in need. We still pray and say, Father, grant us faith. Grant us the capacity to release and to release people from sins and sicknesses and burdens. Father, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Okay, folks, why don't you go hug somebody? Um, Get permission first. (laughs) And then just enjoy the Lord today. And that's it. We're just going to call it an amen today. All right? Okay. God bless you. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. 